Well, good morning again. Thank you. Appreciate that. Glad to be back here. Um, this has been, so far, it's been an amazing uh, message series. Um, when God doesn't make sense. How many of you have been, uh, been getting something out of this series? It's about three people. How many of you have really gotten something out of this series? Come on, let's, let's give it up. Um, I'm, I'm thankful to, um, to be uh, sharing basically that there's one more session after this one next week about un, unhealed sickness. But today I'm going to speak to you about uh, unmoved mountains. Uh, but, um, you know, before I get into that, um, two, uh, just one thing that's really important to me. Uh, the last two weeks I was in the States and um, actually, uh, so I spoke in a couple of churches, but also attended the ARC conference, which is, ARC is our, uh, the church planting network that our church is a part of. It's called Association of Related Churches. So we're a relational uh, network of churches who plant churches. And um, over the last uh, about 17 years, we planted 750 churches. 750 churches. And uh, this last year, um, yes, you can put your hands together for that for sure. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And uh, most of that was done in the States uh, so, uh, until, until actually still till, until today, um, 120 churches have been planted the past year in the States, but there were also 21 churches that were planted outside of the U.S., and that is good news. I, I truly believe that in the coming few years, the number of churches being planted internationally outside of the U.S. is actually going to bypass the number of churches in the U.S., uh, because, uh, you know, there's more and more ARC networks getting started um, all around the world in South Africa and uh, Canada and Australasia, it's supposed to be called, and then Pakistan and Ireland and uh, the Netherlands, also in the Netherlands, and there are some new networks starting as well. And we actually have, there's an ARC conference happening, so you could be a part of this as well on June 1 and 2, and in your, um, in your handouts, there is a flyer of that conference, and uh, if you're in leadership or you have a desire to be in leadership, in, a lo in the local church, I uh, really want to encourage you to be a part of this. Uh, and if you're part of the Thousand Hills Dream Team, there is a special deal for you. How many of you, how many of you are on the Thousand Hills Dream Team? Put your hands up for just a moment. There's a lot of you out here. And um, there's actually, you can actually be a part of this conference for only 5 euro because Thousand Hills will pay uh, 10 euro for you and then you pay only 5 euro yourself. But you got to get registered before June 1st. Uh, so make sure you go online, get your tickets. It's going to be an amazing conference. It's only in, it's in Utrecht, so it's close by, uh, and I uh, would love for as many of you as possible to be a part of that. But you can also be a part if you're not part of the Dream Team, but then it's not that special deal. If you don't know how to get that special deal, make sure you contact your leader, uh, because they're going to help you with the special code to make that, to make that happen. So um, anyway, what, are, what is the thing that irritates you most? What irritates you most? I mean... I could tell uh, of a couple of things that irritate me. I could think of whining when my kids whine. I hate it. I don't know if you, if you are with me on that one. Kids whine. And when, other, when kids of other parents whine, it's even worse, especially if it's on an airplane, you're trying to get some sleep. That's, that's not kind of nice. Uh, another thing that kind of irritates me is, uh, is driving style because I drive better than everybody else, right? <laughs> you, you know the feeling. What about eating habits? You know, uh, when you're uh, a noisy eater, when somebody else is a noisy eater in your family, what about that? I mean, <laughs> that's not a good thing, right? There's something that irritated Jesus. There's none of those three things. And, and it can be found in the life of his disciples. Jesus had 12 guys that he spent three years of his life with, 
And, um, and during that time, there, there was only one thing that really irritated him about them. And I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. And we'll find the very thing in there that irritated him about his disciples. So let's read it. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for, I haven't, for he's epileptic and suffers severely, but he often falls into the fire and, and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Man, I don't want to be called like that. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't, could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to him, so said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So you see here that, that Jesus singles out the very thing that irritated him most about his disciples, which was lack of faith, lack of faith. So the parents of this Boy, they were facing a big mountain in their family, the mountain of sickness of their son. And it seemed like it was immovable. Every time they tried to get help, whether it was at a hospital, if they had hospitals in those days, whether it was at a doctor's office, whether it was, uh, you know, by going to the disciples of Jesus who had actually seen people get healed before, uh, nothing seemed to work in the case of this, this, this little boy. And even, the, you know, even... Uh, the disciples, they just couldn't make it work. They couldn't cast out this, this evil spirit that caused the sickness in, in this boy's case. They just couldn't make it happen. And I don't know what the mountain is that you might be facing in your life or in your family or whatever, whatever you're facing. It could be a financial mountain. Maybe you're going through a rough time financially uh, in your business. It could be a health mountain. You, uh, you're up against something really serious in your, your health situation. Maybe it could be a relationship mountain. You're, you're, maybe your marriage is dissolving at this moment. It could be, you know, just you're trying to find a partner to spend your life with, and you're facing this big mountain in your life as well. I'm here to tell you today that that mountain can move. In our story, Jesus wanted his disciples to move that mountain for the parents of that baby, of, of that boy. And he said this, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I love that. Nothing will be impossible for you. I love how the Bible, whenever we read the Bible, whenever we read about Jesus, how he lifts our faith level. And I believe that, that we should never leave church the same as we came in. There's always something new that God wants to do in your life. There's always a uh, faith that he wants to lift to the next level. And that's what he's, that's the very thing he's doing here in the life of his, his disciples. He's challenging them to have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is very small, but big enough for, for God to use and to work miracles. In another story in the book of Zechariah, there's a man by the name of Zerubbabel. I, don't, I didn't think of that name, but it's an odd name, but that's his name. He had been called to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The temple had been destroyed years earlier, 
And God had spoken to him, he rebuilt the temple. But the project had, had come to a standstill for many years, maybe even 20 years or so. And you could see all the building materials laying there on the temple mountain. You know, there's like, like uh, grass coming through all the, all, the, all the building, all the stones, all the bricks and stuff. It was just a desolate place. A project had come to a standstill because of opposition. But now God starts to speak again to Zerubbabel and he says this to him. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The disciples were facing a mountain. Zerubbabel was facing a mountain, and, I, and you might be facing a mountain in your life today, and if you're not facing a mountain right now, they will come. And I'm not a doomsday prophet. They will come. And the solution is the same for all of us. We got to speak to the mountain. We got to speak to that mountain and it shall become a plain or the mountain shall be moved. And for the disciples, that, mean, that will mean that the mountain will move and that the boy will get healed. For Zerubbabel, it will mean that, that the mountain will become a plain and that he will be able to continue building the temple. And I don't know what it looks like for you when that mountain would, look, uh, would, would move for you. But I believe that there's a breakthrough waiting for you. There's a breakthrough just around the corner for you. Today is your day of breakthrough. Truly believe that. So what do you do when you're facing a mountain in your life? What do you do? I mean, we could just sit down and be defeated, but I believe that God has a, has a strategy for breakthrough for you. I truly believe that. And I think the first thing is to be just honest and just to know that we will always face mountains in our lives. We will always face mountains. And sometimes we start doubting ourselves when a mountain, when we run into a mountain, when we run into a wall. We start to doubt our own spiritual walk with God. We start thinking, you know, is God punishing me for some secret sin in my life? Is, 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 does God still love me? Does God even exist when something happens like that? But in this life, mountains are inevitable. The disciples, they were with Jesus. They were as close to God as is possible on this side of eternity. And in spite of that, they were facing a mountain. They couldn't heal that boy. And we've all been there. At least if you've been walking with God for, for, for a little while. We've all been there. We prayed for a sick person. We counseled with a person with a spiritual need. We maybe gave some practical help to somebody who's going through a rough time in their personal situation. Maybe they, they were on the verge of being kicked out of their house. We try to help, but still that situation, that other person doesn't seem to get any better. It's just frustrating when we see that going on in, in our circle of friends around us. And right before this experience, which happened in the valley, you know, when, when Jesus and the disciples were, were trying to heal that boy, they were in the valley. But you know what? Right before that happened, Jesus was on a mountaintop together with Peter, James, and John. And they had a mountaintop experience. How many of you are thankful for mountaintop experiences from time to time? I love mountaintop experiences. They had just come down from a mountain, and it was, you know, uh, it was basically called the Mountain of Transfiguration because of something that took place on top of that mountain. I mean, Jesus was there and with the, those three disciples, and they were the only ones there. It was like, it was an empty place. You could hear the crickets, you know, just making their noise, you know, their beautiful noise that you, that you hear on a warm summer day in South France. 
It's kind of like, like that. And then suddenly something happens and Jesus turns all white and shiny and stuff. And there's two other figures of, of, of Hebrew history who appear on the scene. Moses and Elijah. Moses symbolized the law. Elijah symbolized the prophets. And there's these three guys here, these three amazing guys, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, and, and Moses and Elijah. And they're like transfigured. It's like uh, the glory of God descends on top of that mountain. There's a, there's a presence of God that's so powerful there for, for, for the disciples to experience. They've never seen anything like this before. But then the vision disappeared. And right before the vision disappears, Peter says, hey, let's build, a, let's, let's build three tents here so that uh, both, both Jesus and, and uh, Moses and Elijah can actually dwell in those tents because he wanted to stay there. But the vision disappears. The glory departs from the top of that mountain and Jesus goes back down into the valley. The disciples follow him. They go back to the valley where the spiritual battle is going on. They go back to the valley where uh, they're in the mud and the mire of their daily existence. Back to the normal life. Confronted again with their, their own limitations. You know, they had all the faith that they needed on top of the mountain because they could see Jesus in all of his glory. But then when they got back into the valley, it's like the faith that they had, that, that inspiration that they had was, was just gone from one moment to the next. It's inevitable that after mountaintop experiences, we will experience valleys. We will experience valleys. It's bound to happen. No matter how much you're enjoying your mountaintop experience right now, and some of you are experiencing mountaintop um, situations right now in your spiritual life. It's like life can't be better than it is right now, but you'll eventually have to come down into the valley. And when you're in the valley, your faith will be tested. When you're in the valley, what seemed possible for you now seems impossible. When you're in the valley, the mountain always seems to be bigger than it was when you were on top of that mountain. Know that this life, in this life, there will always be mountains that you will be facing. There will always be mountains. If not, you probably made your world too small. You probably didn't walk in faith. You probably didn't push things in your own spiritual life, if, if, if things have become so safe that you're not facing any, any mountains anymore in your life today. But when you run into a mountain, don't despair, don't worry, don't fear, don't be afraid, because God has a purpose with that situation. And it's always better, it's always better to be with Jesus in the valley than it is by yourself on top of a mountain, always. When we walk with Jesus, Mountain tops will inspire us, but the valleys where the battles are, those will mature us. And in the end, it's all about us maturing, us growing, us growing a robust faith that can move mountains. So when you were facing a mountain, you have to realize that, that in this life, it's inevitable that mountains will come. And that takes me to take home number two, as well, and it's, and it's this, faith is the currency in the kingdom of God. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Faith puts things in motion. It ushers in the kingdom of God. Faith knows 
what heaven looks like because we've seen a glimpse of who Jesus is. Like we, we, we gather together on a Sunday morning and, you know, it's so important that we gather together in his house because when we're with, among brothers and sisters, our faith will rise to the next level. And when we, when we go into our, our weekday experiences at work, at school, wherever we go, you know, we take a little bit of that glimpse of heaven that we get on a Sunday morning and we bring it into our daily existence. Faith knows what heaven looks like and expects the earth to look a little bit more like it. Faith takes your mountaintop experiences and brings them down to the earth. The problem with the disciples was that they saw a picture of what heaven looked like when they were on the mountain with Jesus. But when they came down to the valley, the reality of their daily lives crowded out the little faith that they had. And it should have inspired them to say, let's do this. Let's heal this sick boy. Let's cast this evil spirit out of this boy. We can do this. But the disciples, they had little faith. Little faith. They had no faith even. Jesus said to them that if they only had the faith the size of a mustard seed, that, that would have been enough for them to get rid of that evil spirit out of the life of that boy. And a mustard seed is, is one of the smallest seeds that, that, that humans know. And I can relate to these disciples. I mean, we could say, hey, man, these, these guys, they had too little faith. But I think we, we struggle from time to time as well. I think we go through situations like that as well in our lives where our faith gets reduced to, to maybe as small as a mustard seed or even no faith at all. It doesn't mean that you don't believe in Jesus anymore as your Lord and Savior, that you don't believe in Jesus anymore for eternity. But I've, I've been through situations that kind of reduced my faith to, to the level of zero, almost. Small faith is no problem for Jesus. No faith is a problem for Jesus. He calls his disciples a faithless and perverse generation. I mean, look at, the, at how strong those words are that he uses. And Hebrews says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now where is your faith? Could it be that your mountain doesn't seem to move because you have no faith? Not only can a lack of faith be the reason that your mountain doesn't move, it can also be that we just don't ask James says, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes we do have faith, but we're just afraid to, to basically ask God to, to work a miracle in our lives, to work a miracle in our situation, to work, to work in the lives of a friend or, or, or a family member who's going through a rough time in their, in their, in their lives. Now, how does, how does your, your faith grow? You know, Jesus said that we need to keep Asking, seeking, knocking if the mountain that we're facing in our lives is, is still in its place. And too often we just stop right there because we think, well, we've prayed enough. It doesn't seem like it's God's will for, for me to heal. It doesn't feel like it's God's will for me to ever get out of this financial problem. But I believe that Jesus is inviting us to keep asking, seeking, and knocking, to keep believing for a miracle in our situation. Our faith grows when we do that, when we keep asking, seeking, and knocking. How do you, 
How do you go from unbelief to belief? How do you go from trust to no trust to full trust? When the disciples tried to cast out that demon but were unsuccessful, Jesus confronted them and said this. However, this kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. Except by prayer and fasting. You know what? There's something interesting about this verse. You know, there's multiple Bible translations, right? Sometimes you may, may have wondered, you know, what, what is the right translation for me to use? You know, most of them are good. Let me tell you that. And, and, and sometimes some, some of those translations leave something up, but then there's a footnote, and I'd say, hey, some, some original texts, they add this verse, or they, they do this or do that, and so on, and we kind of get a grip on, on you know, what, what Jesus might have been saying in this particular situation. But there's some translations that actually leave this verse out, that this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of fasting. Fasting basically means that you're, you, you don't eat food for a season and kind of focus on God. It could also mean like during our 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, we encourage people to leave, set some things aside and, and maybe eat in a different way, you have a different diet or, or maybe uh, stop playing video games or, or do other things that take up a, takes up a lot of time from their schedule so that they can focus on God. But usually it means like you leave food behind. So if this verse is not in there in a newer translation, I mean, some of you who, who, don't, who love to eat, you're going to say, oh, man, I love that. <laughs> Please leave that verse out, right? I understand. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. But there's many other places in the New Testament where Jesus speaks about fasting. There's many other passages that, where he actually encourages us to fast. He actually said this right after the Lord's Prayer. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. When you fast, don't make it obvious as, when the hip, as the hypocrites do. When you fast, not if you fast. There's a big difference here. When means that you do it from time to time. It doesn't have to be daily, but regularly, right? Same passage speaks about prayer. When you pray. Jesus speaks about when you pray, not if you pray. I mean, prayer is a, is a discipline that we, that we have in our lives, that we develop in our lives because it brings us closer to God. And the same is true for, for fasting. It brings us closer to God when we pray. It does. Fasting needs to be a regular discipline in our, in our lives. We're fasting food so that we can feast in God's presence. Fasting and prayer help us to become more, more, more familiar with God, more familiar with Jesus. And it will boost our level of faith. And you know, we need a different perspective in our lives. Well, especially when we're facing mountains in our lives. We, we, we kind of need, need to be lifted to a higher level in, in, our, in, our, in our faith life. You know, Jesus, he spent many nights, many early mornings on top of mountains. Why? Because he needed to get a different perspective. He needed to have that connection with his heavenly father. Jesus was the son of God. He was 100% God. But he chose to go up on the mountain to get a different perspective, to get plugged in with God's vision on, on things, on the things that were happening around him. And if Jesus, the son of God, chose to spend time together with God in prayer and fasting, how much more we who are not, you know, who are not like, um, like Jesus, who are just human beings, 
need that connection? How much more do we need to find time to, to, to spend it with, with God in, in prayer and fasting? We need to get a different perspective. We need to look at things with God's perspective. And there's multiple ways how we can boost our faith. I mean, uh, besides prayer and fasting, of course, reading God's word. Through giving. I mean, we grow our faith when we start to give, especially when we give, uh, even sometimes beyond our ability. Because we, we're testing God in this. We're, 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 we're believing God to provide for us when we actually give away sacrificially from what God has blessed us with. It's also by when we spend time with other believers on Sundays and, and in connect groups. It boosts our faith because we can hold each other accountable. We can help each other grow in our faith. And also doing the word. So many times we, we just listen to the word and, and it's like we're looking in a mirror. When we walk away from the mirror, we forgot what we looked like. But we need to do the word of God, as, as James says. You know, it needs to go from our head. Theoretical knowledge about the word of God needs to go to our heart. It needs to sink in our heart. Then it needs to go to our hands. We need to become active doing the word of God. And if faith is the currency of the kingdom of God, we, we have to make sure we have it, even though it is only the size of a mustard seed at times. And the boy's father, he had little faith. But he did have faith. He did believe that Jesus could work a miracle for them. In a parallel story, version of the story, we see him say this, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And that is where some of us are today. We need God to help us overcome our unbelief. And you know what? The key to more faith in your life is surrender. Is surrender our own preferences. Our own ideas of how God should work in a particular situation. You know, I think we've all thought about it. You know, when we go through a rough time in our lives, that we thought, you know, this is God, this is how you should work in this situation. Because I know better than you, God, how you need to work in this situation. No, surrender your own ideas about how God should work and allow him to be God. And especially when things get too personal for us. You know, when our kids go through a rough time, when a loved one goes through a rough time, we oftentimes we try to take things in our own hands. You know, we try to fix it for our kids. Instead of exercising our faith and encouraging our kids to exercise their faith in a God who can work miracles for them. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. So position yourself in such a way that your faith will keep growing. That takes me to take home number three. It is Jesus who moves the mountain. It is Jesus who moves the mountain. Notice that Jesus uses the disciples to work miracles. But it is delegated power. He uses us, but he is the one who moves the mountain through us. He works in partnership with our faith. And, and, and even if our faith is reduced to, to the level of a mustard seed, like the, slow, the, most, the smallest faith, faith we could ever think of, then Jesus can still walk on, work on our behalf. Because he is not dependent on our faith. Neither is he dependent on our lack of faith. He can work a miracle. In his story, the disciples couldn't cast out the demon and heal the boy. So, it, so then it's Jesus who is the one who ends up casting out that evil spirit out of that boy's life. And that is why our focus always needs to be on Jesus. Jesus is the one who is able to save and to heal and to deliver. 
And we just need to be like that father and just be honest sometimes and say, I believe, Lord, help me, help my unbelief. Add faith to my life. Now, what is the breakthrough that you need in your life? I don't know what it is. I don't. What is the thing that you're struggling with? Maybe a financial situation. Maybe you're, you're struggling with a certain sin in your life and you just seem to get, break free, can't seem to break free from that. Which mountain are you facing in your life today? Now, a few years ago, you know, pastoring and, and leadership in the church became a big mountain for me. It felt like the church was at a standstill. It felt like, you know, we weren't growing. Things weren't happening, I believe, the way they were, were supposed to happen. It felt like we're stuck. I felt like I was stuck in my own personal relationship with God. It became a mountain to me. And I just had to get up and start speaking to that mountain. I just had to exercise that, that tiny little bit of faith that I had at that moment and allow God to to supply all the faith that I needed to see the breakthrough take place in my own life, in my family, and in the life of this church. Because I know, I know this one thing, that when we're transparent to the Lord, when we, when we surrender, you know, even that little bit of faith that we have, when, we, when we're honest to God and say, God, I, I, I believe, but my faith is so small, but help, help my unbelief. I know that he's going to come. And supply everything that you need. He's going to come and supply that, that little bit of faith that you need to actually move that mountain. He can move your mountain. He can work the miracle for you. He can, you know, basically even when you're in the midst of the mire and mud of your daily existence, God can still work that miracle. Even though you don't see it at this moment, even though you're, you're facing a wall right now at this moment, even though you're facing your mountain right now, I know that God is going to bring a miracle to your life today. The breakthrough that you need to have, the breakthrough that you've been praying for for such a long time is just around the corner for you. All it just takes is that you keep, keep praying and seeking and knocking. Keep believing that Jesus can actually provide for you whatever you need. But the issue is that our focus. Why do we focus? So let this moment today, let this be a mountaintop experience for you. Let it be a moment where, where you see Jesus in all of his glory. Where you see his presence manifested in, in our midst. Where we see more of Jesus than we've ever seen before. You know, friends, I'm, I'm just, I'm desperate to see one thing, and it is Jesus revealed to us in my own life. You know, it's so easy to kind of be on autopilot, go through the motions. Yes, we lift up our hands and worship. Yes, we sing along. Yes, we listen to the word. Yes, we say amen to the word, but it's like something is missing. Something is missing. And my prayer for all of you today is that you would experience Jesus like you've never experienced him before. Let me tell you this one thing. Jesus is here in the valley with you. Whatever you're facing, he's here with you. And when you say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, he's going to come through for you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to 
Lift your faith to the next level. There's a miracle waiting for you. There's a breakthrough waiting for you. It's just around the corner. So whatever that, that, that issue is that you're facing, whatever that mountain is, whatever that wall is that you're facing in this moment, you know, let's speak to that mountain. Let's speak to that wall. You know, in Matthew 17, verse 20, it said this, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Come on, you can say amen to that. Let's praise our hand. Let's praise the Lord at this moment. Nothing will be impossible for you. Let's lift our faith right now. Let's look to Jesus right now. As a rubble, he had to speak to that mountain. He had to, it says, it says this, Where, who, who are you, a great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The solution to your problem is speaking to that mountain. Speak to that mountain today. Lift your eyes to Jesus. Get that mountaintop perspective on your situation because your problem is not as big as you think it is. It's not as big. Jesus is way bigger than that. He's way bigger than that. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads this moment. Let's, let's exercise our faith at this moment and, and believe that God is going to work a miracle in your specific situation today, whatever that situation may be. God, we come to you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. And God, whatever that mountain is that we're facing, we speak to that mountain right now. And before us, you shall become a plain. God, your word says that nothing will be impossible for, for us, God, if we just believe, if we just has, have the faith the size of a mustard seed, Lord. And we acknowledge right now that sometimes, and even maybe at this moment, our faith is nothing more than just a mustard seed, as small as small can get. But when we say we believe, you will help us Fill our unbelief. Give us more faith that we need. And God, we want to exercise our faith. We want to get that mountaintop perspective on things. And God, we know that breakthrough is just around the corner when we believe in Jesus. We know that miracles can happen today as they did 2,000 years ago. You're here and you're, you're in our midst, Lord, right now. And God, I pray right now that, that, you, that, that your son Jesus would reveal himself to each and every one of us, Lord, like never before. And as we, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today right now and you're like, man, I just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Man, I just can't see how God can provide a miracle in my situation. Let me say this to you. It starts with surrender. It starts with surrendering your life to Jesus, making him number one in your life. If you've never taken that step to, to make Jesus number one in your life, you know, he's the one who saves you from sin. He's the one who saves you from judgment. He's the one who gives you life, eternal life, an abundant life. And, and our breakthrough starts with surrendering our lives to him. And if you're here today and and it feels like God is a million miles away from you. I want to encourage you to take that one step, the most important step you could ever take in your life, and it is surrendering your life to the one who paid the price, the ultimate price for you, and that is his own life. So if you're here today and you feel like you need to take that step, 
to Jesus. You need to surrender your life to him. You need to make him the number one of your life and start living from a new perspective. I want to want to encourage, I want to ask you right now to take a very bold step and that is to raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. If you need to, to, um, to basically take a step to Jesus, thank you very much for your hand right there. I know there's more people that need to raise their hand. If that's you, I want to pray with you a prayer of surrender to Jesus. So let's pray it out loud together right now. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus that he came to this world, died on the cross for my sins, so that I could be forgiven. That he rose again on the third day so that I may have life, life abundant and life eternal. Today I surrender my life to you. Today I choose to make you the Lord and Savior over my life. Today I want to make you my number one. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for those who made a decision.